Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished Adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks! Our heroes have met with Cleo Boulderdown, an old friend of Bernie's and the head of the Temple to Bay in Neverwinter. They let her know some basic information about why they are in the city, and they have asked them to return the next evening by dinner so she can help them avoid being scried on. She then provides a safe closet space to set up a teleportation circle to their pocket house. The Modrons are tasked with making masks for the upcoming pit fight at the Fist and Shear for Carlton and Jonathan. Bernie discovers the spell book that Travancore left for her a while ago, and after a brief conversation, she decides to talk with Jonathan about it. Just before bed, the cleric and the wizard examine the spell book, discovering it's filled with powerful necromantic magic. And that is where we begin tonight. <laughs> Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. My name is Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I am once again drinking a Fremont Sky Kraken because we haven't bought anything new. Because, you know, when, when you live in the post-apocalypse, you drink what you can get. Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Match Muscular. And tonight, I'm pretty sure this was a survivor of the wedding of our buddy John, but I have a truly uh, hard cider rosé. <laughs> and I can't imagine I would have bought this for myself, except for maybe a joke. You did, because I provided you with White Claw. Right. That's okay. true. But I think, I think what I did, though, is I bought it for the... Uh, Izzy and I's room alcohol. For the outside stuff. Yeah. Right. So I think this was something we had left over in the fridge, and now I am enjoying it again. It is hard seltzer, so it's not great, but it is still, it'll it'll do it'll do the job. And tonight, shot a fireball to be consumed at the first casting of fireball, or the equivalent spell thereof, not finger of death, well, maybe we'll see, uh, is dedicated to the generalissimo of the D&D community, Chris Perkins. Yes. Today, he bestowed upon us a wonderful little uh, Twitter trend of dramatically reading the Dungeon Master's Guide. And so, other people have done that, including our very own Ovo Crazy, who actually rearranged some of the player's handbook to be in iambic pentameter. So I would recommend checking out her at Oba Lauren or Chris Perkins at, I think, C Perkins underscore D&D &D or something. Eh, search for Chris Perkins, you'll find him. Chris, this fireball shot is for you. Thank you. It's Chris Perkins DND. That is his that is his Twitter. Go follow him. He is amazing. Carlton, what are you drinking? I'm John, aka Carlton, and today I have a sparkling hop tea from friend of the show Jason. Uh, and it is basically uh, marketed as if tea were brewed like a craft beer. And it says, if you enjoy fresh, hoppy IPAs, you will love this intense hop flavor. For those of you who don't know me, when I was drinking, I fucking hated IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see how this oh, no. IPA version of a tea goes. I was going to say, if you well, enjoy hops. Um, I like it more than an IPA, but it is uh, <coughs> very hoppy. Mmm, it's a rabbit. Boo. Nope, no one's going to laugh at that. Nope. All right, fine. Travancore, what are you drinking? Save me. I appreciate you. <laughs> Good people you of Faerun. 
Travel Course choice this evening is actually an IPA, and it's a product of two breweries. It's Platform Beer Company and Free Will Brewing Company, both out of Cleveland, Ohio. It is called the Round Trip 862. I should have known it was an IPA because when I list, it actually lists out the ingredients, hops, it has Kalista, Mosaic, Laurel, Michigan Chinook, and Amarillo, and we're doing a live tasting out of my Annapolis Craft Beer and Music Festival mug. Which oh. I used to hang out with. It's now defunct. I used to go to with a friend of the show, Izzy. And I've been waiting to try this for, for quite some time. Here goes. That's a nice little glass, too. It is. All right, so I still hate IPAs, but this is actually a cleaner, <laughs> fresher one. Like, it actually, as far as they go, this one's... If I'm not an IPA guy, but if I were, this would be more along the lines of what I would drink. This is... This is okay. I love that we are just... We all really don't like IPAs, but we just keep trying. We're Especially like, not me. The the little IPA show that could. Bernie, what are you drinking? Okay, are you I, drinking an IPA no, trying to get used no. to drinking an IPA? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's, I, I understand there are people who like them. I'm just saying, specifically, IPAs are more hoppy than regular pale ales because the idea behind them was the extra hops was going to keep the beer from going bad as you rounded the Horn of Africa to get to India. Yep. We don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to punish yourself for colonialism <laughs> in this way. We you should, you should other, punish yourself in other ways. You can, punish your, you can make amends for colonialism. IPAs is not going to make it better. The end. Um... <laughs> I have another one of our order from Dominion City Brewing. It's cool. It's a Czech-style dark lager, which I think makes it a Dunkel beer. Aww. Any of you that don't know, Dunkel means dark. So it's called so Darkest. So wait, Steven is Dark Man? Yeah, that's actually <laughs> what his name means. So, and it's called Darkest Hour. And it is, I love their little description. It's double dark? So it's under a mountain in the cloak of a dark forest. Czech mythology tells of a band of sleeping knights beneath a Blanik mountain outside Prague. Legend states these soldiers will awake and be led by a saint to save the country in its darkest hour. I think that's really cool. And I picked it out in part because there were a lot of, there were a lot of options for IPAs on their website when we did our order. And I picked all the ones that weren't IPAs. So this is my first Your live tasting? Having this. I like how many live tastings there were this episode. That was nice. This is another one of those beers that smells. It smells like a brewery. And breweries, to me, smell really good. And they smell like community spaces. And they smell wonderful. And so this is a very good beer. Like, if you like a lager, you will like this. And if you are in Ontario, you can probably get your hands on it. If you're in Ottawa... They're an Ottawa local brewery, and they do delivery. They will deliver. They will leave it outside your door right now, so you don't even have to touch it. You can let it sit for 48 hours, make sure it's safe. And I highly recommend if you do get anything delivered, leave a little note on your door for your delivery person. Tell them you love them. Leave a thank you for the people that are keeping us safe. Yeah, it was really awkward when I got food delivered the other day, and I'm, like, standing there waiting for them to put it down. And then, like, I went, as soon as I turned around, I went and grabbed them, Thanks. This is weird. He's like, I know. Yeah. Hey, if yep. you can keep, if we can do what we can to keep people employed, we will. Yep. Yep. And then there's Jonathan and Bernie who are holding onto a book filled with necromancy, which is how the exact opposite of keeping people safe. Did you tell Bernie it was necromancy? Uh, I'm sure I would mention it like at some point. 
I know you mentioned for sure evil. I know evil came out of your mouth multiple times. We did stop last game just as you were discovering this. So if you haven't actually mentioned necromancy, that's not your fault. That's mine. But we will pick up right where we left off, which is the moment that Jonathan has realized that this is a book filled with nothing but necromantic spells. Jonathan, you have a book filled with evil. Oh! <laughs> Jonathan the Magimuscular is... He had almost like kind of like put it down. He's holding it <laughs> instead of like, instead of like kind of holding it with the excitement of, oh, wow, this is a spell book. What's in there? He's kind of holding it daintily away from him. Like, like yeah. Like the two fingers far away. Like, ooh. Exactly. Yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan, this doesn't even have like the healing portions of necromancy because technically healing spells and raise dead spells are also necromancy. This is all the really evil necromancy. This is the kill there, people necromancy. There's not even like a nice like misty step or something at the very beginning. It's just nothing, nothing but, okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. 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 So what's in it? Well, Jonathan the Magimuscular has found some very, very nasty spells. Like what? Well, there's this one. It's called Finger of Death. And if the, basically, I point at someone, they writhe in pain, and if they are not tough enough, they die and then are raised by a zombie. To be a zombie. Oh, that sounds unpleasant. Oh, oh, this one is sort of like that, but an area. It's called Circle of Death. Uh, not quite as power, not quite as, uh, as hard hitting, but it gets a lot of people. Oh, oh, look, summon greater demon. This was probably something that uh, interested interested Evelyn greatly. Do you think this is this hurts? Uh, is the summon greater demon in the first set of handwriting or the second? Uh summon greater demon is in the second set of handwriting. Okay, so this was Vang's work right here. Okay, I I have a question. Yo, uh, more of uh, tell me how spell books work. I it's different, obviously. Right, but. Can you just use this spell book? Is it yours now? Because you found it? No. So basically, what Jonathan the Magimuscular does is every morning, I... It's difficult to describe. But imagine, if you will, my brain has, like, specific dividers. Maybe call them slots. And within those slots, I populate my mind with... Various magical incantations. And the stress of magic is so that not only do I sort of, we'll say, expend that slot when I cast a spell, I also, it sort of wears me down, so I'm not able to do, like, a lot of powerful spells. It's one reason why whenever I cast a fireball, uh, my fireballs progressively get a little less powerful, because I'm expending these, and Jonathan the uh, Magimuscular makes magical flexi quote air quotes slots within my mind i'm expending those powerful ones first and heading down the list well i mean yeah i understand this like jonathan but but the way the, the, the point also is but the, I, i'm sorry i didn't mean to talk down the point is is that so much divine energy that can flow through my body before it just falls down and i need a nap what i'm talking about is <laughs> well so 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 to, just to the point the spell book is what fills those slots for me and that's how I, I basically can't just summon the, the knowledge. I have to remind myself of the specific mechanics of the spell. And it's one reason why I can't just have all of my spells available. I have to pick which ones I prepare every morning. 
and I use and the spell book is the tool by which I do this. You mean it's not it's not like a thing where you heal somebody enough times that you just sort of know it and sort of do it and then you can just, you know, your body doesn't waste really any energy healing that person or remembering how? Because that's sort of how it is for me. Well, for my low level spells, like just like my, you know, just throwing a piece of fire at someone or cleaning something off. Those are pretty innate. Like I, I don't need this for it. And I, I actually produce my spell book. I, I don't need that for, for those, but for the more complicated spells, I do need to refresh my mind on them. What's nice is that I can, I'm not as flexible as you, but I'm more flexible than, say, someone who signed a contract and now can do magic. They can do very few things. Yeah, they're interesting. So what I'm more interested in is because I understand how the mechanics of a magical body works. I inhabit one. Can anybody pick up and use your spellbook? No. And that's one reason why if I wanted to use any of these spells, I would have to transfer them in my, into my spellbook. It's sort of like the process where I would go to my library at the um, uh, Amethyst Acropolis, and I would use their library to copy a spell into my book. It does take, it does take resources and time, but... That's the way I would do it. This spell book right here is specifically attuned to me. So say you died and someone picked your book up. How does this book get transferred from being Evelyn's spell book to Vang's? That is a very interesting question. Because if it's not like someone could just start preparing spells from my book, as far as I know, and then annotating it. As far as I know, this book is keyed specifically to me. So how Vane did it, I don't know. But it may have, there may be machinations beyond either of us. Jonathan, yes. I will say, and with your keen mind, you would remember some of this, although it's been more than a month since the encounter with Evelyn. So she died. Oh, she did die. So he yeah, that's why I said, to say it? you died. Well, there are still some questions about exactly how he got some of his power. And you've certainly... You've seen him in the the little bit that you saw when he and his army invaded Waterdeep. Now thinking back on it, oh yeah, maybe that thing that he had with him, that might have been one of these demons. And, you know, he talked about being able to do some stuff. And then he also talked about making a pact. So you you think there's a couple different ways this could have gone. Does Jonathan the Muscular know about Pact of the Tome? Yeah, and I, I, Jonathan the player doesn't either. Uh, it's been uh, I've played warlocks. I haven't played one of those. But can they use a spell book? I know they can use a ritual book, but I didn't. I, thought, I couldn't remember if they used a I spell book or not. A pact of the Dome. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you're unsure about things specifically, but okay. but yeah, you do know. Uh, so Evelyn died, and you did leave her body behind, and there was not an attempt to search her body before you left. And so you think that's at least how he got a hold of this book, how he learned what he did or added to it. it you could probably come up with a couple different ways that's possible. None of them easy, but the same way you picking up this book now, as you've just explained, you could get access to these spells into your book. He could have done some stuff. Yeah, it's possible that he reattuned the book to himself uh, after Evelyn died. He could have, it, the contract he signed may have allowed him to access spells like this. This is a very, this is a very narrow focus. Like my spell book has 
a riot of different schools in there. Stuff that I didn't, that I barely touched in school that now I cast on the regular. But this has no variety in it. Do you want any of these spells? No. I think the best use for this book is to turn it over to the Amethyst Acropolis. I was going to burn it. Does the Amethyst Acropolis know how to cast? These, but I mean, I'm sure they do. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not I, I going to teach them anything new. They might be able to crack the mystery of how Vang was able to do this, and since Vang was a foe of theirs, having something that one of his resources at their disposal might be something that they would want. Should another person seek revenge in the same way Vang did, at least we we would have a clue. I don't know. I don't. Something about this doesn't sound right. I think it implies that we don't trust him, even if that's not, even if that's not where we're going for it. What do you mean? Well, I think if I, in good faith, gave something of mine up to someone I trusted and they turned around and gave it to a group of people I didn't trust, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know that he'd ever find out. But I don't, I still, I think we throw it in the fireplace. Do you think burning it would be what he wanted? I don't know, but I don't think he wants it at the Amethyst Acropolis. I think whatever the Amethyst Acropolis represents to us, all the things that it is, protection and knowledge and enlightenment in many cases, I don't think it's any of those things to him. I think the Amethyst Acropolis to him is probably... It's probably oppression. When he gave you this book, he didn't did he express any wishes for what? What? This book he, was in my room. He gave it to Travancore. But I, I think then, in that case, if Vang has any intent, I, I don't really care if Vang has any in, intentions with it. You know, if you want to burn it, that's fine. But I think that, personally... If I came across a source of great destruction, I mean, sure, we could just toss it away, or we could just keep it until we, we give it to the Acropolis, uh, or someone else. I mean, if we destroy it, then no one gets it, and maybe that's better. If we give it up to people who are dedicated to, re to research that sort of thing, maybe some sort of good comes out of it. I just, I don't know, they're not new spells, and I feel like unless... He, I don't know, man, I just don't think you hand that over to someone someone doesn't like, even if they'll never know about well, it. Well, technically, it, Travancore gave it to you, so you can do whatever you want with it. I'll say both of you do know, no matter what you decide to do with it, there are ways of destroying spellbooks, but just like any magical item, you can't just throw it in the fireplace. It's going to take a little bit more than that. It's probably not as difficult as the destruction of the amulet that you're currently trying to do. It would be w a little easier than that, but you you would need a little bit more than a common fireplace to destroy this. Well, here's the thing. We are already going to a place eventually where we are going to destroy a powerful magic item. If we wanted to destroy the spellbook there, we could. The flip side is then we are carrying around both... Well, the we're amulet. carrying it around until we give it back to the Amethyst Acropolis. I don't well, but see that's the why thing. that's... It's like, well, if you want to destroy it, then I would say the best place to do it would be where we're already going. Yeah, I thought about that. I also just thought about sitting there and guiding molding it until it completely had a hole <laughs> in it. I think it would. it's a little bit more durable than that. You never know. 
Brittany's going to take it back and she's going to, she's going to, I'll talk to Travancore about it. And she's going to go back and try to get some sleep. Jonathan, how about you? Are you also, I know the other two are asleep. You're, are you retiring for the evening? Yeah, Jonathan's going to, the Magic Muscular is going to kind of sit back and start thinking about, man, finger death would have come in handy a couple of times. Wait, no, no, that's bad. Bad thinking. No. Man, finger death against Thontorfrak. Wow. Yeah, that, he'd be surprised. No, no, can't. Jonathan the Magic Muscular needs to just clear his thoughts of such things. Finger of death against Thontorfrak. Oh, man. That's that's a, that's a spicy meatball. And with that, you all get a long rest. Gather round, travelers, to hear our tale. Venture Maidens is an actual play 5th edition podcast made by four longtime friends and lifetime gamers. We take our role-playing as seriously as we keep our bulges tasteful. So if you're looking for an epic high fantasy tale spun by a killer cast, give us a shot. We publish new episodes every other week and live stream our game recordings on Twitch. Now get on out there and download Venture Maidens wherever podcasts are free. Hope to see you in the community. And don't forget to venture away. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Beyond Heroes, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on April 19th at 8pm Pacific, so open up your game, go to the shop, and type in this code. G-L-U-M-L-O-L-L-W-E-I-R so use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. And wake up the next morning to uh, some basic breakfast being cooked by the Modrons. And as you come downstairs, Jonathan and Carlson, you find not just breakfast waiting for you, but masks. Yes! Yes! They are not... As ostentatious as you would like, as the Modrons were working with a limited supply. However, we'll start with Carlton. I'd like you to describe what does your mask look like? Uh, so it is like silver and blue, and it's like a like a whitish silver base uh, around the eyes is like a nice like blue stripping, um, and then it's got like wolf ears, kind of like pinned to the side, like like Captain America's wings that are yeah, kind of like-, like Captain America's wings, and then. Uh, like where my mouth would be is like uh, fang, like wolf fangs. All right, and Jonathan, what does yours look like? So Jonathan's is blue and and sort of a purple, and what it is is so the the purple is the base of the mask, but the blue is a very almost like blue white kind of, and it the f- eyes sort of make flames, so they're little little circles of flame that make up the eyes that kind of like go back. Uh, into the the temple a little bit, and the mouth is also a flame, but it kind of like it 
it's the mask is cut so that his beard sticks out because I know that as someone with a goatee who wears a Luchador mask uh, every year for various reasons, that the one where there's no bottom is way better if you have a nice little goatee. So that is actually covered in in flames, and the one flame goes back uh, into the stitching in the back. A little a little flamelet goes back there, and they fit perfectly. And both We're of you, look so cool. Rawr! Jonathan the Muscular like. Like tosses off his robe to to be bare chested. It's like ah! I chest bump. I chest bump. Ah! Travancore, as you come downstairs and witness this display, I will say, considering your investigative skills, you're the one that thinks for a moment. How did the Modrons know the exact proportions of these two gentlemen's heads? <laughs> They're measuring it while we were sleeping. I know, like in the the night, they're just like with a little tailor's tape while we're sleeping. Well, I mean, Jack is the player. Thinks these guys played Doom. It's not beyond their own possibility that they have access to lasers for measuring purposes. All right, it is the morning. What would you all like to do? I think we're we're heading to the Neverwinter uh, Academy or whatever. Yeah, we've got a couple of appointments. You do. Is there anything you would like to do? Basically, unless there's something in specific anybody wants to talk about, I'm more than happy to breakfast, leave the uh, closet, take the nut, go to Neverwinter Academy. I think we're... Yeah, Yeah, the only thing we have is back at the bar tonight. Oh, yeah. Jonathan the Magimuscular is actually going to kind of, once he's like calmed down and takes off his mask, is going to ask Travancore, so Vane gave you his spell book. Ugh. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I should have figured that she would tell you. I, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't. <sighs> Maybe I should have. Uh, Bernie's gonna slink out the door. She's just gonna be like, I put it in my butt, and she's just gonna slink out the door. This is this is my this is my bag. This is what I do. I, I know, but I know I don't know much about spell books or spells, but I know that there were some the, there were some spicy meatballs in in there, so to speak. Did you know that? Because let me tell you, you're right. There I are. I mean, Jonathan it, the Magic Muscular, though, it belongs can to an quantify that. Yeah. It belongs to an necromancer. It stood to reason there was some powerful magic in there. Oh, yeah. There and is. And I thought to myself, let me keep the temptation out of your hands. I thought if I come to you directly, like, I know you, you have a good heart and you're a good guy. And we've been friends for a very long time. But I didn't want to tempt you so directly with it. You also don't trust me with my magic. Not entirely. No. Most, mostly I trust you. I mean, 98%, 98% is a pretty good amount of trust. It's just that 2% of, of ambition and burning of forests. I mean, there is precedent. It's not like there, I, this is okay, baseless. Okay, hold on, hold on. We're circling back to this. All because right. those trees were resistant to the fire, and I protected the people that were sentient, and we came out okay. I knew we would be okay if I threw fire in that area. The trees were magic. They were going to be fine. This has happened more than once. Really? Yeah. Remember on the long road? Man, Bernie has been out the door for a while, just to let you know. I don't remember that. Yeah. But- I'm just sitting there eating my oatmeal. Oh, I do remember. If it was with this- Yeah. If it was with this, and Jonathan the Metamuscular lights his hand very briefly, that is not a concern for trees. Trees don't care about this. Oh, okay. Um, throw it on the pile of bad choices I've made so far. Will do. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Julia would beg to differ that giving 
her character, that book is a bad choice. No, no, that's not what I meant. What I meant, and I don't know if Bernie's in the room or not, but like what no, I meant she was, she she was this, this was said, a group decision. You know, this affects everybody. And everyone knows Vang. Everyone knows it. This is something that I probably shouldn't have gone to just one of you with. And that's only that's what I meant. So there is some debate about what to do with the book. We could destroy it because we are going to be going to a place that can destroy powerful magic items. And this book qualifies. So we could toss it into the acid along with the amulet. Or I have suggested, and I'm not married to this suggestion, that we give it to the Amethyst Acropolis for further study and, and safekeeping. The question, though, is, was this given to you with any sort of expectation from Vang? Did Vang want to keep you safe? Did, was he just simply trying to get away from it? The intentions were not clear. I don't think Vang expected um, From what I remember, I don't think Vang expected it back. And I don't know if, Lauren, if anything that, that I remember would say different. But the way I remember it is he just gave it to me. And he had enough of what he needed from from his dealings to protect his people. Recalling from what I think part of the deal of rehoming them was we got his book. Yeah. Like, we'll so resettle be- your people, but we need your powerful shit out of your hands. It was, so you didn't know about the book beforehand. The part of the deal was, yes, resettling his people was, and he needed to promise to not be raising the dead anymore and stuff like that. So it wasn't an explicit, give us your book. It was a, a more, you need to not. And so he gave you the book partially as a way of uh, reassuring you that he was holding up his end of the deal and also because he knew it came from your cousin and that's why he gave it to you specifically and not like the whole group or anybody else this was partially him upholding his end of the bargain and partially this came from your family and so it's only right that you have it back after that uh, it was, he had given you no indication that he ever wanted it back or that he expected you to do anything in specific with it. He gave it to you and said, basically, it's yours. Thank you. Okay. Well, with that in mind, I think Travancore's mindset is the only reason not to destroy it as soon as possible is that necromancers are the sworn enemies of the Amos of the Acropolis. And if I were someone who got a weapon of my enemy, my country's enemy, I would want to analyze it and develop countermeasures against it based on what it says. So for that reason, it might be worth giving to the Amethyst Acropolis. But if you don't think there's interest in that, then we can destroy it and put it in the pile of things we need to destroy. We're going to have a bat. We're going to have a... uh, Travancore? Like a bucket of things to like toss in there. Travancore? Yeah. I need you to roll 5d10, please. Oh, here we go. All right. Oh no! Oh, he's got geest. Oh, one of those is a ten, so twenty-six. As you think to yourself and say out loud about the pile of things you need to destroy. Oh dear! <laughs> because the pile is two things. The other thing being the talisman that you currently have that you're not supposed to be thinking about destroying. A sharp pain stabs you in the back of your neck and up into your brain. You take 26 psychic damage. <laughs> it, it's left you with a lingering throbbing. It's right like where your spine and the, your brain meet. Uh, and yeah, it's it doesn't down you or anything. You're certainly capable of of handling that. But in this moment, it is a surprise and it leaves you 
shaken for a moment. You uh, you okay there, buddy? That was not pleasant. Jonathan the Magimusco is actually going to, because I think he's been wearing the luchador mask this entire time. He's going to take off the mask and he's going to say, okay, I think we just got a sharp reminder of why we're here and what our goal is. So what? maybe. What do you mean? We should focus on the task at hand. The fight and these masks are awesome, by the way. Thank you so much. Meep, meep. And he says to the Modron, yeah, this, I don't know that we should get into any more fun distractions while our friend is affected. But you're going to fight, right? Because I've been waiting for this. Me, Julia, personally. Uh, I'll, I'll say this, Travis feels Ford, weird, man. In hindsight, that moment makes a lot of sense why it would happen. And it, it was that specific moment. Uh, like, talking about destroying the book? Yeah, sure, fine. Yeah, I think I just need to be more careful about what I think about. I don't think that that you guys blowing off steam. I enjoyed my time at the opera. It was nice to to forget for a very brief moment that that I had things and responsibilities. So if you guys want to wrestle, I mean that would take my mind off of things before we, well, before the the next day's events, right? Because tomorrow is go time. Yeah. So okay, all right. Well. Speaking of which, uh, we better we better get going. We have two professors, uh, one of which I definitely don't want to disappoint because it's still the morning. <laughs> it's that it's that magical time in between breakfast and before lunch. Yep. So I assume we already ate, right? Yeah. I was about to say. I was eating there... during that entire conversation with Travacor and Jonathan. I'm sitting there eating my oatmeal, watching them be like, "You don't trust me." Let's assume Bernie left with. And has hidden the book somewhere and uh, is downstairs having breakfast with Cleo. She's going to catch up with her with her sister. Okay. Uh, yeah, and so I'll, I'll ask what I did before, which is unless anybody has any specific things they want to do or conversations they want to have, I'm more than happy to say you finish breakfast, you pick, you close the pocket house if you'd like. I'm assuming you do. Yeah. 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 100%. Someone takes the nut and you make your way to the, to the Neverwinter Academy. I'll take the nut this time. Okay. Um, and as we're walking, I'll be like, hey, Jonathan, hang back for a second. What? What's up? I trust you. Thank you. And I think that before we do whatever with the book, those, if they're as bad as you say they are, I trust them in your hands. And if you decide to go wonky with it, I can take care of you. I appreciate that, buddy. And but... I like tap my sword, but I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, that way. Okay. Yes. But I also think that with what we've got coming up in tomorrow and possibly the future, do you ever notice how, like, the longer we keep at this thing of, like, being a fate changer, the harder and harder it gets? Yeah, it gets rough. It gets, like, I'm, like I'm every thankful, time we though. get stronger, so do our enemies. Yeah, it's weird how that works, but, yeah. I mean, so it's... I, I'm not against you having this in your back arsenal, because I trust you to use it wisely. Well, So just think on that. I, I will, but I will say one thing is that one of the reasons why I joined the the Acropolis was because I believe in their mission. And part of their mission is a fight against uh, harmful necromancy. And I think I've got plenty of tools to deal with stuff as is. So 
I don't I don't know that I necessarily need that stuff. It's fascinating. Oh my god, there's a spell in there that causes horrendous pain. And if they die, I turn them into a zombie. Imagine if I did that shit to Thontervrak. Right, but we would just kill the Thontervrak zombie. He, he's, it's under my control. Right, but that's the evil part of it. So if you just use it to and stop it at that point and not raise him, that's what I'm saying, using it it's, wisely. It's part and parcel. Like as soon as one happens, the other the other thing happens. Right, and we would just kill it immediately, and that but, we wouldn't control it and do evil with it. Right, but what I'm what I'm saying is that a tool like that would be excellent against a, a dragon. I have other tools. We'll be fine. I think whatever we decide, this book is not going to be in my hands for very long, if at all. No, okay. there's just like a voice that yells that out at you. Oh no, my my inner voice has muscles on muscles. My my, my inner voice is a muscly voice. It's three octaves lower for reasons we don't so, understand. You yeah. all, you all arrive. <laughs> the Neverwinter Academy. Arrest. We're, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna do the Stephanie Beatrice who, do, you know, her Rosa voice. We're just gonna do yeah, that for the rest of the time. Gonna just, we're all just gonna talk really bad. I have characters that talk like this. Arrest Zick talks like this. The the fact that she can do this and she's done this for seven seasons is pretty remarkable i did not know what her real voice sounded like until she did an interview and then i was like whoa that's not rosa it's like oh professional actors yeah i know it's weird so you arrive at the neverwinter academy it is bustling with students and teachers and snow you pick up both shadow and coco snoot who have been very well cared for in your absence and are happy to see you both bernie and travancore are met by wagging tails and and lapping tongues (laughs) one of them with much bigger tongue than the other I love you, Travancore. I love you so much, and I do not mind that you left me here overnight with a dog that has the meat farts, because I have them too, and... <laughs> Can you imagine that little bear nub of a tail just going back and forth? Oh my god, that's too cute. I love you. Yeah. I love you when I miss you, and I don't resent you. I love you <laughs> Listen, Coco Snoot is a mastiff who also has basically no tail. So the both of them are basically wagging their butts. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It's actually, yep. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but this is sad, but it's not bad. My friend's dog, massive golden retriever, got hit by a car when we were young. Aww. And the dog was fine. They just had to amputate her tail. Mm. And she compensated for having no waggable tail by shaking her massive ass back and forth and physically <laughs> wagging her body into people. Because golden retrievers are both too good and too pure for this world and amazing rescue dogs and also, in a weird way, the dumbest dogs on the planet. Oh, dumbest fucking dogs. Mm. It's, but they're both smart and really dumb, and I yeah. love them. Yep. You, wait, you got to do Shadow. I got to do Baron. I got to do Baron von Coco Snoot. Go That's for fair. it. I missed you all. However, we train for this old country. It's called the without ending. <laughs> Without any, it's hard to say certain words He's in an accent. Without any, without any is well. The cracks are starting to show in Baron von Kokosnut's accent. Jonathan, did you tell anyone what Bucks told you about their sleeping arrangements? What did Bucks tell me about their sleeping arrangements? I forgot. He so when you snapped him back to you, he had been woken up because they were sleeping. It was a bed and. Shadow on the bed and Coco Snoot on Shadow and Bucks 
on Cocos Newt. They were stacked. So they were an ice cream cone. They were they were a, a cuddle pile animal sandwich, which is the most <laughs> adorable thing. He sent you this mental image to describe what he was doing. I didn't know if you told anybody because I do wonder what what the Baron von Kokosnut would think if anyone knew that that's what he was doing with his sleeping arrangements. <laughs> Jonathan the Magimuscular had received this image and it was so cute mm-hmm. that he immediately deleted it from his mind because otherwise he would not be able to function. But now seeing the bear and the dog, the image comes rushing back and he's like, oh! <laughs> he falls to his knees, failing this compulsion save. It's just like, Oh my god, hi guys! Jonathan the Muscular. Oh, you guys are so cute! You guys, I, I think Jonathan died. Bucks looks super pleased with himself right now. Bernie's just gonna pet Coco and say, I'm so proud of you! You did not kill anybody in here with your meat farts! And I know you tried. <laughs> Have you ever fed a dog a high-protein diet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They get real gassy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. I just want to make sure that I'm not saying this and everyone's like, what the fuck's wrong we with you? We all know how gassy dogs get. My sister has two pit bulls. Listen, all of us are mammals who have owned dogs and are mammals who have had the meat sweats before. We've all had meat farts. There's not a single mammal in this room who's I'm not meat like, I'm farting oh. right now. Be on the lookout for the old, we've all had the meat sweats t-shirt. We've all had the meat farts. <laughs> we all, we all get together in Austin, Texas once a year. Meat, meat farts. farts. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm That's now calling this, this episode. meat farts. Oh, can God. we call this episode meat farts? And I can I get I've called it. episodes worse. I've what called it, episodes I weirder things. For, I just want an individual file of... Of, um, of 200 episode names? No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Of, 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 of Shadow that I can place with this episode so when it's meat farts, it's very clearly like Shadow and Coco Snoop together. There you go. There's a reason that I, I don't get to name Beyond Heroes episodes, and it's because of the show. <laughs> we also would accepted Fancy Mancy. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's more relevant, so I may go for that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I usually choose it in the middle of the episode where I'm like, oh, I don't have an episode name. What's the next thing someone says? Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Linnea Boyev, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.